0: passage come from John 4 verses 23 to 24 in Psalm 105 verse 1 please follow along the screen with with your own bible or simply listen if you need a bible there are copies of the bible on the table John 4 verses 23 to 24 but the time is coming indeed it's here now when true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Psalm 105, verse 1. One second. Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. Thank you. This is the word of God. Please be seated.
1: Amen. Well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord again uh, on this Sunday And uh, uh, as usual, it is great to see all of your smiling faces. All right, you guys missed your cue. Um, That was the cue that you can smile and be happy that we're in the house of the Lord. Amen. So let me rewind a little bit and we'll try it again. It is good to be in the house of the Lord, and it is great to see all of your smiling faces. Amen, amen, and amen. Um, Well, again, uh, my name is Pastor Joseph, and uh, I'm one of the pastors uh, at Mars Hill Fellowship Church and serving alongside here with High Rock, and uh, it's my pleasure to share in the word of God this morning. And um, we are continuing from last week in our series on worship, and we've been looking and examining um, from a high level of what worship looks like um, from God's perspective and why um, we, as his children, his sons and daughters, we're instructed to come and to worship God. And uh, we began talking and understanding this notion of worship and recognizing that worship is both a private and a public thing that we do. Um, Worship um As we talked about, for a lot of us, what I'm encouraging us through this series is to expand our worship beyond one dimension or two dimension, to uh, expand our worship to a new dimension in terms of how we engage in worship and also worshiping outside of our primary preferences of worship. And so, um, all of us may have preference of how um, we like to express Thanksgiving, express praise and honor unto God. And through this, what we see is that God invites us to use different ways to express um, uh, what is in our heart position of how we relate towards him. This morning, as we start off, um, as we started last week, uh, we began examining the passage in John chapter number four. And uh, you'll remember as we started in this passage, it starts off with Jesus as he's traveling, leaving out of Galilee. And as he's leaving from there, he makes a stop in a place called Samaria. Um, in Samaria where the Samaritans, and uh, he encounters in the middle of the day a Samaritan woman who is at the well. Now, uh, you realize that this is already setting up a scene that is already fr- um, fraught with conflict. It would be like a Red Sox fan joining with a Yankee in the middle of Fenway Park and asking, hey, Yankee fan, would you allow me some water? You can imagine the strife that goes on between there And between the Jews and the Samaritans, they did not interact with one another, let alone this being a male uh, Jewish person to a Samaritan woman. And so he begins with the conversation with this woman, will you give me a drink? And remember, we we saw that as Jesus is interacting with her. Although he is using a natural um, thing, he is really hoping for, for her to understand the spiritual concept behind it. As she begins to say, why would you ask me for a drink? Jesus gives her this spiritual insight and declares, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. What he was beginning to help her to understand and the gospel of John begins to present was that God is the living water, the, the water that never runs dry. And he says, if you would take, if you, if I would give you a cup, you would never be thirsty again. And so she begins, this begins to boggle her mind. And as they're engaging in conversation, she tries to shift the conversation to another direction. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like when someone wants to kind of get their eyes off of what's going on in their own life, they kind of attack to, well, let's talk about something theological. Let's ask you, what do you think about this very thing? And so she begins to ask the question, well, tell me this. You Jews, you worship somewhere else, but we Samaritans, we worship on Mount Gerizim because we can trace the history, and that's the place where true worship should take place. So now she has this teacher in front of her, and she asks him, which place is it? Where should we worship? And Jesus now poses back to her an interesting answer. What we talked about and began introducing last week was that Jesus was not concerned about answering the place of worship, but he was really more in uh, tune with helping her to understand the nature or the posture of worship. She was looking for, is this place the right place or that place the right place? Or is this denomination the right denomination or is that denomination the right in the right denomination, or if they sing CCM, is that the right way? Or if they sing gospel, is that the right way? Or if they have, you know, a children's ministry that does this, is that the right place to go? They were looking at all of the external things, and one of the things that Jesus said as he began to say, he said, you guys are talking about a place that you worship, and you don't even truly know me. But he says, a time is now coming and he says indeed it is here now i mean look at that there um in verse number uh, 21 he says believe me dear woman the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the father on this mountain or in jerusalem Jesus was foreshadowing a new way of worship that was coming in, a place where instead of looking at where the ark was or instead of looking at where the temple was, instead of looking at the sacred place, Jesus was introducing the fact that his presence was all throughout the world and you did not have to locate to a specific building in order to engage in worship. What we need to understand is just in the same way that the church Church is bigger than a physical building. Worship is more than just what we do on Sunday morning. If our worship is limited to our Sunday morning, we sang a couple of songs, we have only captured one dimension of what God wants us to express. But in reality, every moment that we are awake, it is an opportunity to give back unto God and to worship him through the breath that he has given unto us. So John goes on as he captures what Jesus says. He says, uh, but the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when the true worshipers, say true worshipers. My heart's prayer is that through this series, we will have a heart to be true worshipers of God. Worshiping, and how does he say true worshipers? True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit And in truth, the father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. For a moment, I want to, as we began to unpack this last week, I want to begin to look a little bit more in depth into this notion of worshiping God in spirit and in truth. What we recognize here, and and we gave this working definition, worship is praise, adoration, and reverence of God, both in private and public, which is grounded in the knowledge of who he is And in response to his graciousness towards us, worship is a response. And if we're going to respond, the way that the Lord wants us and is looking for us to respond is in spirit and in truth. The reason why he sets that out is because when we do not worship in spirit and in truth, what ends up happening is we then end up worshiping in flesh and we worship something that is not God. I'll talk about that in a moment as we begin to look at that. But when we talk about worshiping in spirit and truth, we begin to get an idea of what the Lord is explaining to this. And if we look at the Greek for this passage here in verse number 23, we read this as God is pneuma, and he is looking for those who will worship in pneuma, the spirit, and in aletheia, truth. God is Numa, and He is looking for those who will worship in Numa and Aletheia Truth. Now. What we recognize is we begin looking and saying, what does it mean to worship in spirit? Later in John's gospel, Jesus clarifies his mission on earth and how the Holy Spirit will continue that work once he leaves the earth. If you have your Bibles with me, turn there in John chapter number 14. John chapter number 14. Jesus is explaining to his disciples in John chapter number 14, and he's helping them to understand this concept here. And he says in John 14, he is the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. And what he goes on to say, he says, the world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives within you now and later will be in you. Let me unpack that for a moment. Jesus took on bodily form. He came to this earth and he dwelt amongst, uh, dwelt amongst us. And as he's ministering, Jesus understands that my time here on this earth is limited. My time here on this earth where I will be with you is for a certain period of time. It is until the word and the the work that God has established has been finished. And he knew that his assignment on this earth was to go to the cross and to be the sacrifice once and for all for all of our sins. But Jesus helped them to recognize that there's going to come a time where my assignment, my time on this earth has gone up. But I want you to know, don't lose heart. Don't be afraid. Because he says, even though I will go, I'm going to send someone to you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Now, what was the role of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is our comforter. It is our guide. And as we see here, part of the role of the Holy Spirit is to lead us into truth. The Holy Spirit authenticates what is truth. Now, Jesus is truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And the Holy Spirit leads us to Jesus and his work all throughout the earth. And so what we begin to see here is that the spirit, the pneuma, is helping us to be aware of what God is doing all around us. You know, one of the things that the enemy, one of the, the, the premier tactics of the enemy is to blind us, is to cause us to be distracted. Now, one of the things is that, you know, I, I, I need glasses to see um, certain things. And, and those of who us, uh, you know, uh, who need glasses understand that, you know, it's you've got to squint. And, and, and sometimes when you can't see things, you just maybe it's like, OK, well, I'll wait till I get up closer or see what's going on. But the role of the enemy is that he gets us into situations He gets us into circumstances and we are so blinded by what is in front of us or going on right next to us that we lose sight of the presence of God who is right amongst us. And what the role of the Holy Spirit and spirit-filled worship to do is that wherever or no matter what situation we are in, the role of the Holy Spirit is to open our eyes and to be able to see God's handiwork no matter where we are. The Apostle Paul, he said it this way. He said, it was good that I was afflicted. When's the last time you were in difficulty and you started praising God? Come on, I'll be honest. I mean, it's not easy when you're in difficult situations. It's not easy when things are going around you and you're just like, Lord, can you get me out of this? The thing I'm thinking about is where is the exit strategy? But what the Holy Spirit is doing in our hearts is that while we are in the midst of it. See, it's easy. Anybody can wait till you get to the end and start praising God. But Those who are true worshipers, they've learned that no matter what is going on around me, I will begin to see how God is working in the midst of this. And I know that all things are working together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So what do I begin to do? I begin to worship and to praise him no matter what is going on. And so that is why it is always fitting. It always is becoming of saints to worship him. Now, when the spirit leads our worship, it leads us to a place of truth. Meaning that we worship in truth, truth about who God is and his character and his nature. One of the things that is important about worshiping in truth is the realization is that when we don't worship in truth, what we engage in is idolatry. And many of us, we think of idolatry of someone looking at a statue or having some type of figurine. But there is idolatry all around us. And idolatry happens anytime we put something in a place that God has not ascribed to it. Guess what? You can have idolatry with the pastor. Got real quiet on me <laughs> Idolatry exists all around, and look in Romans. Romans kind of gives us a glimpse of what idolatry looked like and why God says we need true worship. Romans 1 and verse 21, he says, Yet they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. You know what that was like? Uh, 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 Jason, come up here for a moment. It would be, um, Pastor Ophelia, let me have my phone, please. It would be if I got my credit card out and I said, Jason, go to the music store, enjoy yourself. (laughs) You can imagine if Jason, you can go sit down and just hold it, don't write down the numbers. (laughs) (laughs) It would be as if (laughs) Jason I blessed him, I gave him a blessing, but instead of saying, thank you, Pastor Joseph, I appreciate that, he goes out and goes around and say, look, look at all that I've gotten, and I did it by my own strength. Romans 12, it says this, yet they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And so in order to be okay with themselves. They began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming, say claiming, claiming to be wise. They instead became utter fools. I would hate God to say that about me. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools, and instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they were worshiped idols, made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. He goes on to say, So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. When we do not worship in truth, we exchange the truth of who God is. For a lie. The truth of who God is is amazing all by itself. We don't need to make God into something he's not. We don't need to have God do things that he does not do. We can just simply tell the truth of who he is. And it says they exchange the truth of God for a lie, so they worship and serve the things God created instead of the Creator himself. We're in a day and age where idolatry is rampant, where people worship the things God created rather than the creator himself. So, what does that mean? We authenticate our, our worship in spirit and in truth by checking to see is our vertical worship, is our, our excuse me, our worship vertical to God. The songs that we sing and what we proclaim, is Christ proclaimed? Is it teaching us? Is it pointing us to a higher place? Is it pointing us to God Almighty? And this becomes worship, which is in spirit and in truth. And as we think about worshiping in spirit and truth, one of the primary ways that we can do that is through what we call praise. And this is what the Lord has identified that it is becoming. It is fitting for all of us to worship God through praise. And these next couple of moments, I want to explain and to expound upon what it means that we praise God and what it means that we use the breath that he's given unto us to bring praise and glory unto his name. One of my favorite psalms, and and it is a psalm that um, uh, I love because it, it paints a wonderful picture of what praise looks like. And as you go throughout all of the psalms, you'll see that there are psalms of praise and a number of psalms where uh, it, it it is capturing, it is going into the praise gallery of David and other worshipers, and you can kind of see how did they praise God. And in Psalms 150, let's look there in Psalms 150 and look at how David instructs us how to praise the Lord. In Psalms chapter number 150, starting at verse 1, it says, Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heaven. Praise him for his mighty works. Praise his unequaled greatness. Praise him with the blast of the ram's horn. Praise him with the lyre and the harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with strings and flutes. Praise him with the clash of the cymbals. Praise him with the loud clanging cymbals. And then it says in verse number Number six, let everything that hath breath praise or sing praises to the Lord. Praise the Lord. When we read this psalm, the first thing that we see here is that there is an invitation given to praise the Lord. You see this here in verse number six, and it says, let everything that breathes sing praises to the Lord. Let me do a test uh, here. Will you take your right hand and place it right in front of your mouth, please? Everybody take your right hand and place it right in front of your mouth. Now I want you to breathe onto your hand. If you felt a breath, this scripture is talking about you. Let everything that breathes Sing praises to the Lord. It's an invitation. It is saying, listen, if God has given you breath, he wants you to use that breath as currency to praise him and to worship him. And so what he says is that with that breath, we owe it unto God to use it as an instrument of worship to him. Now, how do we do that? Because the central part of what happens in worship is that God is looking not for flowery words that come out of our mouth. Remember what he said uh, uh, in the New Testament? He says, listen, they praise me with their lips. But what? Their heart is far from me. What God wants in our worship is that our heart is in agreement with our head, which is in agreement with our mouth and is in agreement with our actions now if any one of us know that at any moment in time we might be challenged with different things because our heart might be in one place but guess what our body feels another way or our heart might be one thing and and, and it's hard to get the words out of our mouths to be able to express where God uh, where, where we're at but worship will help us to bring into congruence our heart, our mind our mouth, our thoughts and our actions together to center on the focus of of God. Let everything that breathes sing praises unto the Lord. Not only does God invite us to join in in praise, but He declares that it is pleasing unto him. If you read in Psalm 69, verse 30, he says, then I will, the psalmist says, then I will praise God's name with singing, and I will honor him with thanksgiving, for this will please the Lord more than sacrificing cattle, more than presenting a bull with its horns and hooves. We learned that worship is pleasing unto God. He invites us, and says, this is what I want to receive from you. The second thing that we see here in this passage is that much like a symphony, the psalmist begins to write that the Lord gives us different instruments or different things and ways that we can use to praise God. As you look throughout this passage, look at all of the things that the psalmist calls out. He talks about the blast of the ram's horn. He talks about the lyre. In the heart. He talks about the tambourine. He talks about the dancing. He talks about the strings and the flutes. He talks about the clash of the cymbals and the loud clanging cymbals. And so, what we begin to see is that in praise there is an exuberation of joy for all that the Lord has done. Finally, this passage gives us reasons why. We should praise the Lord. And as we wrap this message up this morning, I'm going to give you six different areas, six different reasons why we should praise God. And this is not an exhaustive list, but what this helps us to do is that no matter what situation we are in, We can think about these six different areas and it should give us a reason to praise God for who he is and what he has done. One of the things I love about the scriptures is that it gives us models um, throughout the scriptures of how, when we're looking, how do we interact with God? How do we encounter God? And, and the psalms are psalms of uh, their hymns and, and songs that were sung and worship that was given unto God. And, 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 and here, one of the things that we see is that we can praise God in our lives for his greatness, We read this here in Psalms 150 in verse number one, and it said, (coughs) give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. One first reason why we can praise God in our lives because he is great. When I think about greatness, I think about something big. I think about something more more able than I am able to do. I, I think about if you've ever gone out and you've looked at mountains and you've seen them and you've seen the landscape and you recognize, wow, this is bigger than me. This is stronger than me. God is great. And so the first reason that we can praise God is for his greatness, and we can proclaim his greatness. And so throughout the Psalms, it talks about the greatness of the Lord, the mighty works that he does, his hands that done does valiantly. And we could say God is great and greatly to be praised. The second thing that we can praise God for is for his faithfulness. His faithfulness. In Psalms 50 and 150 and verse number, excuse me, um 105 and verse number two, it says, tell everyone about his wondrous deeds. What is he saying? That sometimes we find it hard to worship because we just don't open our mouth and tell of his wondrous deeds. Let's practice that this morning. Can you turn to your neighbor and share how has God been faithful to you this week? What is one thing that God has done to show his faithfulness this week? Some of you, it's taken a moment, but as you begin to think about this last week, hopefully you've been able to think about something God has done in your life. And and you know, some of the things, I'm, I'm guilty of it all the time. I'm so busy with what's going on, I forget how God has been faithful. Some of you, you may have had a hard time, and I was just thinking about the faithfulness that God woke us up this morning. Sometimes we take it for granted, even that we have breath in our body and that we woke up again. But that is God's faithfulness to us, to a thousand generations. He's faithful and we can praise him for it. The third reason that we can praise God in our lives is for his omnipotence. Omnipotence simply means the power that resides in him. His power is greater than all, stronger than all. He has the power to do mighty things I don't know how many of you were watching and and, and this morning they had a recap of the story of the soccer team that was uh, uh, trapped in the cave in Thailand and 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 as I was listening to the story they began to talk about these kids 9 10 and 11 and as I began to hear the story I began to think that's the same age my son my oldest son is nine years old he could have been trapped in that cave But by the power of the Lord, they were rescued. God saved them in the midst of the place of darkness. God is powerful. He's mighty to save. And when you begin thinking about the power of the Lord, you begin seeing how the Lord's hand does mighty acts and he saves us out of darkness. He saves us out of places and his hand is strong to work on our behalf. Have you looked and seen areas in your life where you can think about where the Lord has shown up strong? I don't know about you, but there's been times where I was in the midst of darkness, but I said, Lord, I need you to show up in the midst of this situation. And God did only what he could do. The fourth reason we can praise God is for his goodness. One of the things that I had to learn, and it took me a long time to learn, is that God's thoughts towards us are of good and not of evil. Let me say that again. God's thoughts to you and me are of good and not of evil. Some of us, we grew up with a picture of God where we saw God as the great punisher He's looking for the evil that we will do in order to punish us. But if you know that the word of God tells us that his thoughts towards us are of good and not of evil. So what does that mean? It means that he's looking not in order to condemn, but he's looking in order to be able to give us his best. So he gives us his word and he gives us things to do so that we receive his best. And we can praise him for his goodness. I, I have this phrase that I say, I say, thank God for the prayers God answered. How many people know God answers prayer, amen? But I, I also say, thank God for the prayers that God said, no way, you don't know what you're asking for. God ever said no way to you? God ever said, no, I, I, I know what's best for you. And the moment you may have been frustrated with God, you may have said why, you may have said, Lord, I really want this right now. But God says, I know my thoughts towards you are of good and not of evil. And so you can praise God for his goodness, because even in God's delay or his no, he is thinking the best for you. Praise God for his goodness. And then these are the personal ways that we praise God. Praise God for his deliverance. His deliverance. One of the blessings of us coming together is that we can share stories of God's deliverance. And we can be encouraged at how God delivers us from all evil. What do I mean by that? It means that as we begin to talk about the places where we were not sure where we should be, the path that we were going on, but God delivered us out of harm's way. God delivered us out of a path that was going to lead to destruction. And we can testify that God has delivered us and we can say, I'll praise him for that. Finally, number six, we praise God for answered prayer. God is a God who hears our cry. He hears our prayers and he desires to answer our requests. The word says if you search for him, you'll find him. Ask. And you'll find Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto us. So why did I share all of these? These become the templates that begin to set up our praise. And Jesus says that, listen, in any moment, think of these things. Think of those things. When you wake up in the morning, do you start off with praise or do you start off with grumbling? I dare you, over the course of this next week, to start off your morning with praise and see how your days turn around. I dare you this next week to ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, make me more aware of your goodness all around me. Lord, make me more aware of your presence around me and watch how your heart will be changed, your words will be changed, your thoughts will be changed, and your worship will be different all over this sanctuary. I'm going to ask just now that as we just stand together, I've given you six different patterns that the scriptures give us and there are more things that we can do to enter into praise. But what the Bible invites us is that whatever you're doing, think on the goodness of God and what he has done. And then he invites us with the fruit of our lips, everything that hath breath, he invites us to sing and to worship and to, uh, and to magnify the name of the Lord. He begins to say that with the flute and the lyre and the harp and with all the instruments, we come together to worship God and we come in order to give him glory for all that he has done. And so this morning, as we close today's message, I want it not to be just a message that we hear this morning, but I want us to put into practice all that the Lord has instructed us to do this morning. So as Psalms 150 says, he says, praise the Lord. Praise him, all the earth. Join in with the instruments. Instruments, will you join in in worshiping God this morning? Come on with the loud sounding cymbals, with the guitar and with the piano, with the uh, bass, with our voices, will you begin just to worship God for who he is and what he is.